Welcome to another episode of Relationship Alive. This is your host, Neil Satin. How do you hold a vision for your relationship without being trapped by perfectionism when it doesn't quite measure up to the ideal? How do you manage time in your relationship so that you have time to nurture and build your connection? What are some practical ways that you can learn to value your and your partner's uniqueness and what you each bring to the table? And just why is commitment so important in your relationship's development? As a healer, relationship coach, and the host of this show, it's my goal to provide you with unique, actionable insight for how to do relationships amazingly well. And while most of the guests that you'll hear on the show make perfect sense if you're familiar with the relationship space, like Harville Hendricks and Helen LaCalle Hunt in episode 22, talking about getting the love you want, or Diana Richardson talking about her version of Tantra, which she calls slow sex in episodes 2 and 10, there are some other less obvious sources of wisdom that I want you to know about. One of these is an organization called Strategic Coach, led by Dan Sullivan, which supports entrepreneurs in innovative, often counterintuitive ways to grow their businesses and lead lives balanced between work and, well, life. The more familiar that I've become with their advice for entrepreneurs over the years, the more I saw that you could apply their wisdom not only in the business world, but also in the realm of love and relationships. As it turns out, they do have a program called The Couples Connection for people in relationship, but it's only available to people who are in the Strategic Coach program. Today's guest, Shannon Waller, has not only been part of the Strategic Coach organization since 1991, she's been instrumental in helping them do exactly what we're talking about, gearing their strategies toward the health and growth of relationships. She's currently Strategic Coach's entrepreneurial team strategist, and she has also been part of every single Couples Connection workshop since they started running them. I'm so excited to have her here on the show to chat with us about some of these really practical, yet unconventional business strategies and how you can apply them in your love life. Shannon and Strategic Coach have also offered us two copies of their book, Unique Ability 2.0, to which she contributed, which is a practical guide to determining your biggest strengths and gifts in the world. To qualify, all you have to do is download the show guide at neilsatin.com strategic or text the word passion to the number 33444 and follow the instructions. Shannon Waller, thank you so much for joining us today on Relationship Alive. Thank you, Neil. I am really excited because I love applying our tools and concepts to relationships because as far as we're concerned, it's the most important relationship in anyone's life is your partner. Um, so so thank you very much for having me as a guest. I'm excited. You're welcome. You're welcome. And it's it's so fascinating because even if there weren't studies to support it, which there are, it just seems like it would make total sense to people that the happier, happier you are in your heart life, the more productive you're going to be in your work life, the more fulfilled you'll be in everything that you do. And conversely, the more that you have problems in your relationship, that's going to ripple out into every aspect of your life. So, um, yeah, so crucially important. Excellent. I could not agree more. And and our specialty is or with our audience that we work with is entrepreneurs. And entrepreneurs are notorious for giving all of their time and attention to their businesses and, and, you know, they're caring, passionate people, but their relationships can also get short shrift in in that process. So adding that balance back that you talked about and and expanding people's consciousness and awareness of what works and giving them the time to actually focus on those relationships is a huge part of what we do. And a, a incredibly positive byproduct is that people's relationships get better. And I, I just can't wait to delve in and share some of the things that we do that help our clients just really get the fulfillment that they so desperately want, but often don't feel like they know how to how to achieve. So to me, this is a pretty exciting conversation. Great. And just to be clear, even though we're talking about entrepreneurs and, uh, you know, I'm an entrepreneur and what I do is a coach and a writer and um, and in doing this podcast um, is what we're going to talk about going to apply to people who don't necessarily consider themselves to be entrepreneurial? 
hundred percent. In fact, I mean, entrepreneurs are kind of the extreme case <laughs> of people sometimes, but the tools and everything we're going to talk about apply to everybody. I, I think coach provides life tools to be perfectly honest, not that we're life coaches. We would never call ourselves that, but it, it really is uh, all the tools that we do just make sense to, to a human being. So if you, if you're thinking and if you want to grow, then all of this stuff that we'll, we're going to share or talk about really makes sense. Great. Yeah. And so much of, I think, what comes up in relationship is this cycle of having to continually innovate. Because if you don't, you either get stuck in your problems or you get bored, which is a way of being stuck in a problem, right? Um, Or complacent. And people can be happy under those circumstances for only so long before minds, hearts, etc. start to wander. So I'm focused in terms of how I approach relationship work on figuring out how we continually make the container for the relationship stronger and more vibrant yes. so that it's really creating a lot of critical mass to, to hold people there mm-hmm. and also to give them lots of energy and dynamism to bring out into the rest of their lives. I know people who are really connected in their heart relationships, as you said, and they just have so much to give and it feeds everything else that they do. And if it's not working, people will try and substitute just about everything else in, work included, but there's an emptiness. So yes, if we can strengthen the container and have it just be the source of energy and joy and excitement and growth, then I think that's kind of the ideal for everyone. So there are so many places that I think we could dive in I mean, because literally the idea came to me, it actually came to me while I was uh, listening to a product about the gap. Um, but it had already occurred to me on smaller levels that the, the crossover uh, applications and, and then literally every single thing that Strategic Coach does, I was like, oh my word, that's brilliant. Like how that you could apply that in relationship. Mm-hmm. So I want to, I'm going to trust your expertise here sure. uh, in terms of where we start, where where does it make sense to start? And then I'll weave in my curiosity as we go. Okay. Well, I definitely want to talk about the gap. And I also want to talk about a, a profile that we use called Colby. But let's start with the gap because you brought it up. And I think the gap is really critical. It's really important. And just to give you a quick description of what the gap is, the gap, and this does not only apply to relationships, this applies to everything. Uh, but the gap is that permanent difference between where we are now, our current level of progress, and what our ideal is. And one of the biggest ideals we all have is our relationship. But we also so we have ideals for our personal relationship you know, with our partner. We have ideals for our children. We have ideals in terms of how we think the world should work. We have ideals in terms of how our week should play out. So we have all of these ideals. And ideals are really powerful and in, in no way or... No, no way do I mean to demean that at all or to diminish it, but we, we misuse ideals a little bit. So ideals are really powerful for setting goals, for inspiring us, and for helping us kind of stick to things when the going gets tough. But when we measure ourselves against the ideal, there's a bit of a problem. So the ideal is pretty much identical in, you know, to the horizon. And if you think of the horizon, it's really a mental construct. It's where the earth meets the sky. But it's, it's, it's a way that our brain comes to grip with, grips with that because we can't ever actually get there. Even if you run real fast, even if it's night, <laughs> you still can't get to the horizon. And our ideals are exactly the same. It's this moving target. So as soon as you get close, you're like, yeah, but well, that's not really what I want because it's stretched out further in front of you. And, and the problem is we measure ourselves against this you know, forever moving forward ideal, and we can't actually ever get there. And and anytime we try and measure ourselves against this unattainable, you know, we have the sense of failure and frustration, and uh, often our self-esteem takes a hit. Um, we can get negative. We can feel depressed. You know, just name pretty much almost every negative emotion you can think of, and that's what happens when we when we're constantly feel, falling short or having the sense of failure. Fortunately, there's an alternative, and that is. That instead of measuring yourself against where you have what you've not yet achieved, you turn around, and I demonstrate this physically when I'm coaching, and you look back at where you started from. And all and you're in exactly the same place, mind you, you haven't actually moved, you're still at your current level of progress. You turn around and you're like, Whoa, I had no idea. 
we come that far or I've come that far. And then you have the sense of progress and the emotions that go along with that are satisfaction and success and optimism and you're happy and you've got high self-esteem and you're optimistic about the future, all of the good things. And, and you know, we kind of have a choice about how we measure things. I personally think it's impossible to never go in the gap. <laughs> the point is, how long do you stay there? Um, another analogy just to help people remember this is that of a cruise ship. And this was from my friend Ross. And he said, you know, it's kind of like when you, you go on a cruise and you, you walk up the gangplank and you, you know, wave back to people on shore. And then you go to the front of the boat, the bow. And then you feel a boat start to move and you hear the horn. And you're kind of looking out at the at the sea, and then you're looking at your watch, going, "You, what's going on? When are we leaving?" And then you walk to the stern, and you can't see shore. <laughs> <laughs> That's a lot of what the gap is like. We just have no idea how much progress we've made. And and to take this back to relationships, we have a lot of ideals about our partners. We have a lot of ideals about relationships, who are who we're being. You know, how loving we are, what our spouse is like, how they greet us when we come home, the things they say to us, the things they don't say to us. We have all of these ideals. I think a lot of relationships go into the gap because we're measuring ourselves against that versus perhaps from where we started. So I don't if I don't know if that was your insight when you when you heard the gap, but that's how I tend to think of it. And then if we can really just stop and celebrate progress. So one of the things we do in this couples um, workshop that you're talking about is we have people identify, we call it a positive focus, identify five achievements that they've had in their life together. And it's, it's great. Like, our, mine's my kids and our house and our cottage, you know, basic things. But also, you know, I'm, this July will actually be my 20-year anniversary being married, which is thumbs up on that one. Congratulations. Thank you. And that's a big deal. And we've come a long way. So if I stop to celebrate that progress, I feel really good. If I measure myself against an ideal, I may not feel the same way. So I think it's really important in terms of how we, we feel every single day in our relationships to focus on our progress achieved and not on that unrealistic ideal. It seems like this would be a good place to clarify because I I do feel like it's really important to have those ideals and to Absolutely. create a vision of what you what you hold yourself to or what's possible for you in relationship or or even occasionally to to totally bust apart your vision and and rethink it because those visions can of course be limiting but how do you how do you distinguish uh an ideal that is serving you versus something that's becoming um a burden a burden yeah because you could never achieve that the difference is how you're measuring so i i always want to have ideals they, they pull me into the future that's that's growth so ideal is one that is a great ideal, one that's, that's serving you, is one for me that's inspiring, that makes me want to be a better person, a better partner. Uh, it's also one that gives me energy and that has me be able to set goals. So an ideal is sort of, you know, you know just think of your, a personal ideal for you, like super close, super intimate, loving, you know, just, just something that other people want to be around you because you exude this great energy. Those are all, you know, now are we, are we like that every single day? No, <laughs> at least I'm not, <laughs> but, it, but that's inspiring to me. I want to, I want to, I want to be that for myself and for my husband and, and for our friends. Um, so that's, that for me is inspiring. But if I measure myself against it every single day, I'm going to fall short. So again, if I measure my, I, if I have that in front of me and I'm, that's what I'm motivated by and that's what allows me to set goals and I keep, and I keep tracking my progress towards that, totally serves me. If I stop, start measuring every single day how I or Bruce is not meeting up to that ideal, it's no longer serving me mm. or him for that, or us. <laughs> and you, you've mentioned goals a couple times mm -hmm. um, and in business, listeners at home may or may not know this, but it's helpful to set goals that are actually measurable. And so you know if you've gotten there or not, and you can actually track your progress against them. What what come up for you as ways of creating measurable goals in the context of relationship? Yeah, we have some very fun conversations in the program about this, actually. Dan often accuses entrepreneurs of bait and switch because, <laughs> <laughs> because at the beginning there was a lot of free time for people's relationship and when they get committed to each other then there's no time. <laughs> so 
So funny. So so one of the ways can you measure a feeling? Mm, that's not that easy to do. But what you can measure is time spent together. Uh, I know that I was you know I'm traveling tonight. Uh, and then I come back, we immediately go on vacation, which will be fantastic. So I'll be back and forth across the border twice in 24 hours. And, you know, I'm really looking forward to that time together. So I actually have, and he and I both have this list of things that we want to accomplish when we're away on vacation together next week. And so if I went into that not being intentional, who knows what could happen? I could just be reactive to whatever's going on. But he and I want to have some time alone together. We've got separate room from our kids, which is great. And they're, they're um, almost 13 and almost 16. And, you know, we want to have, we just want to have some really great family time. So these are all kind of like little mini goals that we're setting. So goals for me, you can't say I want to have a better relationship. That is completely not defined, mm. you know, and, and we challenge people when they say that in, in our program. But what what can you do? What can you do a date night once a week? You know, can you do something fun? Can you make sure you're spending time around really great people? Um, you know, whatever is invigorating for, for you guys as a couple. So it's, it tends to be around time or things that you can measure or certain events. You mm. know, you know. Yeah, so the question that's coming up for me is if someone said, I want to have a better relationship, you would ask, well, how would you know that you are in a better relationship? Bingo what would your experience be? And then yeah. you start getting into those measurable yeah. things. Yeah, something that's just better or more, they're slippery words. They allow us to not be accountable <laughs> to certain things. Now, sure, I want more of this, but good. How much more? One moment, one dollar, one this, one that. You know, that's not measurable. So, yeah, what, what you know, we do want to result in a feeling. You know, why we're, why we're with our partners often is because of how we feel about them. But it's also, I think, you know, how much time we spend together. Are we present? Do we have our phones out? You know, all of those sorts of things. So you can you can track that. You can measure that. And then you set up the environment or the circumstances to be really successful as opposed to just having it be by accident, which I think can easily happen in the busyness of our daily lives. Yeah. Yeah, it can if you're not intentional about it. Um, and for some reason, that's making me think of time. Mm-hmm. And this is one that I think could blow people's minds. But can you talk for a minute about how you conceptualize the use of time and ways that people can structure their time that are actually helpful for these kinds of concepts we're talking about? I presume you're talking about free days. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and and just that way of how the the entrepreneurial time system, as you guys call it, how that breaks down the way that we conceive of what we do in a given day. Perfect. Yeah, it's a really interesting time system. So, and let me just explain a little bit where it came from. So Dan Sullivan is the co-creator of Strategic Coach, along with his wife and business partner, Bab Smith. And and Dan runs the program and Babs runs the company. So just so everyone's really clear on the division of labor, there would not be a company without Babs. So it is a one of the most brilliant partnerships I have ever seen. So I, I kind of live in this world of relationship because their relationship created the organization that is that I've been a part of for 25 years. So it's very precious to me. Um, so one of the things that that Dan noticed looking at entrepreneurs and, and he actually comes from background a little bit in advertising and entertainment. And he noticed that business people work very different than some of the people he'd work with. And an entertainer, you know, has show days. So performance days, and this is true for you know entertainers and athletes. And then they have these preparation days and then they have days where they're completely off and they're just, you know, separate from their work. And, and he kind of noticed working with entrepreneurs who were doing everything all the time and not getting a whole lot done of any of those <laughs> very successfully is that he noticed that, that maybe there was a better a better time system out there than the one that was most people were, were familiar with or were operating under. So he came up with the idea of free days, focus days, and buffer days. And a free day is 24 hours midnight to midnight, not noon to noon, during which you do absolutely no work-related activities. So you shut off, you turn off. This includes your phone. You don't check your work email. You don't do business reading. You don't take phone calls. You don't check email. Now, as I say that, some people are probably starting to tremble and feel like they're going into withdrawal (laughs) because it it can be hard. And I've been known to literally switch things off at 11.59 p.m. so that I could take the next day as a free day. But next week, I will not be checking in. And and what we coach our, our clients to do is to really protect their free days. And again, entrepreneurs being 
just assume that they're on one end of the continuum of, of humanity, um, you know, they find that really challenging. And I think more and more people in our 24-7 connected information age find that incredibly hard to do. I had one gentleman tell me the only way that he could do it was after his cell phone um, fell into a pond. <laughs> <laughs> and he didn't get it back for a couple of days. He didn't get a new one. And he said, oh, I had some really good free days. It was by accident, but I had some really good free days. I'm like, see, it works. You can you can actually function. Most of us have a fear relationship with our technology that the world will stop if we don't, if we don't check in. So a free day is a really powerful day because it allows you to do those things that are not work. And it doesn't matter what kind of a situation you're in, self-employed or an entrepreneur or working with a company or other type of organization, the temptation is huge to just tune out for a minute, tune back into your work, check and make sure there are no fires burning that we need to put off, put out. So that's a free day is just a day where you spend rejuvenating, doing those things to make yourself young again. That's what your rejuvenation means, which obviously means there's time for your personal life. So that is your family, your friends, yourself, because a lot of people, frankly, need more sleep. They need more time to themselves just to get grounded in who they are. Obviously, time with your most intimate partner and your family and your friends and your community. All of those things are what free days is for. Yeah. And, and when people get those free days, all of a sudden, they start to breathe again. And their relationships that might have been slipping, you know, all of a sudden get solid. So time is just such a, as you mentioned earlier, such an incredibly important part of any relationship with it can't exist. It's kind of like the oxygen of a relationship is time together. And if you don't have any time, there's no breathing room. So that's the, the number one type of day. And we actually have those set, people set those first out of their whole year. We say, okay, pick your free days. And they're like, can I? I'm like, yes, you can. Um, and, what, and whatever progress. If someone started with zero and they get up to 20 in a quarter, fabulous. If they started at 25 and they go to 30, 35, then that's great too. There's no, there's no set answer. It's very personal. The other two types of days are a focus day and a buffer day. Now, I don't want to put stress on people because really, in our experience, only entrepreneurs have the, the, the capability or the potential freedom, not always actualized, to have full, full focus days and full buffer days. But let me describe the types of activities. And most of our work days will be a combination of those focus and buffer. So we can kind of make a, an alternate time system for everybody, everybody else. But free days are inviolate. Those need to stay <laughs> the way they're supposed to. So by our definition for entrepreneurs, a focus day, again, since we're going on 24 hours, it's 80% of your average working day spent on your top three money-making activities. And so these are things that generate revenue, that make sure that this new business is coming in, and they tend to boil down to two different types of activities. One is relationships, so when you're connecting with your clients, your clientele. The other is a creativity type of activity where you're actually applying your expertise to solving their problem. So I don't, I coach a lot of people, I was doing this yesterday, to not just have your we call it front stage activities be focused when you're spending your time creating like for Dan and for me design is one of our number one focus activities because without that there's nothing to deliver <laughs> to my audience mm -hmm. so that time you spend thinking that time you spend solving their problems is, is a focus activity and any time whatsoever spent with your very top relationships and then a buffer activity is when you get your own house in order it's when you spend that 15 minutes in the morning making your list um, that's not something you or I would do, actually, Neil, but other people do that. <laughs> or organizing your piles or working with your team or delegating or communicating, uh, giving direction about your calendar, about how you want your days to play out. Buffer is really when you're getting the routine part of the business or your life done so that you can be really, really focused and have that incredible momentum that comes from knowing that you're not going to be distracted by the stuff or messes. Those are technical terms at coach. And, and so that also you can have really great protected free days and you're not feeling like if you don't answer this email, something horribly wrong is going to happen. So the whole time system is really about having this clear delineation. I like to like, I like to use the analogy of Neapolitan ice cream, chocolate, vanilla, strawberry, and you don't want to have your time system be like Neapolitan ice cream that you sit on the counter on a hot summer day that's turned to brown mush which is what most people's time ends up looking like. Right. So you put it back to those clear flavors. You get to enjoy the day. You know exactly what you're supposed to be doing. There's no guilt that you're supposed to be somewhere else, which is a big problem. And that's essentially how the time system works. Got it. Now, whether it's what you're doing on a free day or what you're doing on a focus day, there's this sense of 
how you actually honor who you are. And in relationship, I like to help people be more fully who they are. So they're bringing themselves fully into the relationship. And so, so I, I would love to talk a little bit about ways that Strategic Coach offers to help people figure out who I really am and not just from the perspective of like, um, you know, do I really like um, modern hip hop versus country music? It's more like these are the kinds of things that when I'm doing them, I feel most alive, most engaged with the world. And in terms of chemistry and attraction and, and healthy relationships, the best relationships are are based on one person's what makes them come to life having a direct impact on what brings their partner to life and so they're in this cycle of mutual appreciation and fullness of life so at the risk of being redundant let's just say that i think that strategic coach offers some really amazing ways to dive in so that you can know yourself in that way. And can you talk about that a little bit, Shannon? Yes, and know thyself is my cardinal rule. <laughs> so so I, I love this topic. So we have a, a brilliant uh, concept, but it's a, it's a reality as well, and that's called unique ability. And unique ability is that it's that way that you are put together, and it's a combination of what you love to do, so you're, what, what, you know, what's your passion, you know, what lights you up and what fuels you from within. And also those things at which you have superior skill. So, and this is not just your ego talking. This is other people saying, oh, wow, you're amazing at this. And then you also love it. So if you can imagine just how alive we all are, or conversely how not, if we're doing the opposite, how alive we are when we're doing what we are really, really highly skilled at. And obviously that takes a bit of life experience to figure out. But then we also have a passion for there's these amazing byproducts, and that is that it gives us, there's just an unending sense of energy. Physically, we can get tired, but I know after a day for me of coaching with my entrepreneurs or, or entrepreneurial team leaders, I am on fire. I am a happy, happy camper. I go home and I'm all bopping. You know, I'm just, just full of life, and I just feel like I've done my, I've been my very, very best self and made my best contribution. That's the other part of it. So when you can be a hero and have a, have a multiplier result, those are some other byproducts um, of, of unique ability and the other thing is is and this is where sometimes people kind of second guess themselves is that they sometimes well they we almost always feel there's never-ending improvement like we can always get better but our assumption in our strange little minds is that well if we can get better then we mustn't be very good and mm. so people undercut their, their their own unique ability and the thing about unique ability is it feels so natural for you you can't understand why it isn't so easy for everybody else. So quick, I need to interrupt yes, you quickly yeah. because um, I feel like we could easily talk about this in a way that assumes some understanding because I'm I'm speaking your language, but mm -hmm. the um, I think it's really important to to address in what you were saying this notion of. There are these things that you're really good at that you thrive at where you feel natural. And then there are those things like when you're thinking about, oh, here are ways I could grow. You start to think not so much about how you're growing the ways that you're already amazing. You start to think, well, these are all the ways I'm deficient and need to improve. And I need to learn how to be more organized every day. And so you start putting your energy there. So can with that context, can you just riff yes. a little bit on, totally. on what we're actually talking about and why, because maybe people get where this is going, why you wouldn't necessarily want to put all your energy into making your deficiencies better versus mm -hmm. atten giving attention to your strengths and making them even more strong. Exactly. And there's some fabulous research to back this up, which you will, you and your audience will appreciate. Well, it's it's totally true. I mean, we are taught in in our school system, in early, any business training you've had, to work on our weaknesses. This is the message that all of us have have received in some way, shape, or form. Somewhere, someone said, you know, work on your weaknesses. And if you've got really great great grades and you know a whole bunch of things, but you got one lower grade, that's what was glaring 
off the paper to you or to the people who who were surrounding you. So we're we're kind of oriented towards this. We're warranted towards focusing on our weaknesses. And Dan has this brilliant expression, which makes me laugh every time. He said, well, if you work on your weaknesses for a really long time, you're going to have really strong weaknesses. <laughs> and I just, I'm like, oh my gosh, it's so true. Um, instead of playing to our strengths. Now, if anyone's interested in, in doing some more reading about this, I'm, I'm, I love reading, as you'll find out. Uh, one of the best ways of articulating this has been done by Gallup. So Gallup has put together whole bunch of books. Uh, Donald O. Clifton, who um, is really known as kind of the father of positive psychology, his, his, he really started looking at people's strengths and non-strengths, to use the PC term, and he just realized that we are, so much of our learning has been on by studying pathology, what's wrong, and then assuming that the inverse is what's right. And he said, oh, if we want to learn more about strengths, we have to study strengths, not mm. just weaknesses. And so the book Now Discover Your Strengths is brilliant. I love the context he provides in that book. One of my favorite books is Strengths-Based Leadership. Uh, their profile, the Strengths Finder profile, is, is phenomenal. We use it in this unique ability conversation as we were talking about. So what, what he talks about, is, and he's got a great model. He said, all of us have strengths and, and non-strengths. And some, some, you know, cards that we can play all the time and some that just aren't in our deck, <laughs> to use that way of, th of talking about it. He said, sometimes you might need to work on some of your non-strengths that are causing or sabotaging your strengths. So you may need to do damage control. So this is why I coach my daughter to get slightly better at math and English, because like, you need a certain level of skill to be, to be able to, you know, you know, support, support your arts habit, darling. Um, so there's a certain minimum standard for certain things. I don't disagree with that at all. But at the same time, once you've got good enough, once you're okay, immediately go back to focusing on your strengths. The return on investment, the return on energy, the return on input is profoundly, you know, so much higher and so much better when we invest in our strengths. So just to contrast um, you and me for just a you and I just for just a moment, you know, both neither of us have a ton of mental energy for being organized. We'll talk about that with the Colby profile in a minute. You know, it, and we could try. We we could totally see the need for it. We're both intelligent. We could you know study systems, and we could ha stack our brains full of as much information as we possibly could to be more organized. And you know, if there another opportunity came up to do anything else, we would take it. <laughs> and and because we just don't have a lot of mental energy for that type of a task and mm. frankly thankfully there are people on the planet who have a ton of mental energy for the things that we don't so now can you live in an unclean pigsty no don't think that's healthy so minimum standard is fine but after that move on or hire somebody i mean it really boils down to that do a deal trade somehow and hopefully our spouses can compliment compliment us in that but it's, it's phenomenal when you just give yourself permission to not be perfect at everything. Because the rest of the unique ability model, kind of what you were alluding to, is that, you know, if you think about it, there's a whole bunch of activities that if we go and do them, frankly, we're not very good at. I have a long list of those things that I just, when I do them, bad things happen. <laughs> and, or when I do them, it takes so much mental energy and the result is only barely sufficient it's just a, a lousy use of energy in my estimation. So we use the term incompetent, not in a big judgy form, just a, kind of in an, an observational um, way. And then we have, all of us have competent activities, and that's a smaller circle. And competent means you're adequate, you're okay, you reach minimum standard. But a lot of other people do too, and so there's competition. You know, this whole thing about competencies, I'm like, I don't, don't want to be competent, I want to be better. That's <laughs> <laughs> how I think about it. And then we have these excellent activities, and a lot of people get trapped in, in excellent, where you have superior skill. You are better at it than most people. Again, this is not your ego talking. This is other people telling you. You get great teamwork, great reputation, often great great financial rewards for doing this. Um, however, inside your board, you've lost the passion if you ever had it. <laughs> it's just, you know, you like getting good at something intellectually, but your heart's not as engaged. Yeah. And then finally, you find that small, small subset of activities at which you are incredibly skilled and incredibly passionate, and that sweet spot is unique ability. Um, and the more we can spend our time there, first of all, it's where we make, as I said earlier, the biggest contribution. It's also where we have the most fun, we have the most learning. I think I'm, I know I'm my best self when I'm doing that. 
And that can, and you're going to use it, obviously, hopefully, well, hopefully you get to use it with whatever your money-making activity is, but it goes with you. So you're going to use that in your relationships with your partner, with your children, with your family, with your community. Our, our unique ability is us. So, And when, when you give yourself permission to use it in all of those circumstances, life looks pretty flipping phenomenal. And anytime you're going against your grain, frankly, it's hard. Well, my friend Joe Polish has a great term. He said, what, you, what you, people don't want is half, half businesses or half lives, which are hard, annoying, lame, and frustrating. Mm. <laughs> so, you know, you don't want that. You don't want a half anything. Um, what he, he also talks about ELF, which is easy, lucrative, and fun. You know, and I find that unique ability is, if not lucrative, is always easy and fun because it's just so natural for, for each of us. Does that give you the whole picture of unique ability and, and talk about the strengths and weaknesses? I want to make sure that I, I answer that question because I think it's so critical to people's thinking. Yeah. And so what would you suggest in the context of relationship? And I think we're, we'll talk about Colby. So the strength part and how we, how we compare and how we stack up with our partners will make more sense. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm interested particularly, you know, about about the cleaning part, actually. Of course, uh, everyone is. <laughs> how do I get better? No, um, the, but really what I'm curious about is, let's say in an ideal world, two people um, really do get in touch with where their gifts are. And that's how they are in the world. It's how they are with each other. Um, it's how they are in bed. Like It's <laughs> something that can permeate their whole existence. But then there are those things that are typically, like occasionally I could see someone's excellence being the seed of a problem, like where it becomes maybe too big for the relationship and starts to threaten the safety of the container. So that would be a time where you would want to really give attention to that. But more often than not, my sense is that it's the things like, well, neither of us can really get on top of this cleaning thing or, you know, remove cleaning and substitute whatever, like making time for dates or, right, planning our meals or those kinds of things, Um, being spontaneous um, to offer the flip side. Mm -hmm. Um, So where's the balance there? Because obviously we don't want people to feel like, oh, well, you mean I'm never, I'm never going to experience that? I'm never going to have a clean house or I'm never going to be whisked off my feet because my husband or partner came up with the most amazing spontaneous idea or, or you know, you, you get where I'm headed, right? I totally do. I love it. Um, yeah, well, this is so, I love it because it's also so real. It's so nitty gritty in terms of our daily lives. A lot of it is, again, going, going back to our beginning conversation about ideals and expectations. So here's, here's an exercise just for fun. So say through tools, could be Colby, could be StrengthsFinder. By the way, the super quick and easy way to do StrengthsFinder is go to um, gallopstrengthcenter.com and you can just go and get the profile. It's $15. So that's the, sh- the super quick way to go and, and grab that. It's called Clifton Top 5 Strengths. Um, so say you could look at that and that kind of tells you your motivation or you look at another profile or, or just for, even from your own experience, you go, okay, I'm really, really good at this and I love contributing this to the relationship. And then your partner does the same thing. I love doing this and I love contributing to the relationship. So you've got these two lists. And then you've got the full list of everything that's kind of required in your life together. And you match them up. And then you see where neither of you really want to pick up anything. (laughs) (laughs) And then that kind of gives you a picture. And there's two parts of this. One is giving yourself permission to not do everything because that's a huge part of it. Again, I was saying this to myself this morning because today was one of those days where logistics were not going my direction. And, and I said to myself, well, I'm doing my best, but sometimes my best isn't very good. Mm. <laughs> and you just kind of have to, A, sense of, having a sense of humor is incredibly important to this whole process. Or sometimes my partner, he's doing his best, but it's not very good. I'm like, oh, okay, I just have to be willing to deal with the reality of that and not make him wrong or not try and change the other person because that never works as much as sometimes I wish it would. Um, so it, it just comes down to go, okay, just trust the other person is doing their best or that I'm doing my best because we beat ourselves up. It's kind of brutal. And then then you get resourceful. So if you take away one word from this conversation, um, I'd love it to be, be to be resourceful about your relationship. We're good at doing that in other parts of our lives. I think we kind of, to turn off sometimes when we go home and to get resourceful. So 
good. Neither of you like cleaning. Neither one of you like shopping or, or you know, prepping meals. I, I hate planning meals. I'm a, I'm, I'm a good cook. Like physically, I'm good at chopping. I'm good at cooking. Timing, I'm getting better. You know, but don't make me plan it. I have zero energy for planning. Tell me what you want to eat, and I'm very happy to make it, but that's, that's what I'm, I'll do. So fortunately, my husband likes figuring out what he wants to eat earlier in the day than I do. <laughs> so, <laughs> so he'll go get it, and I'm very happy to make it. You know, so we've kind of divvied that up. But, but so it's sliced pretty fine, as you can tell. You know, Bruce loves, well, really likes a clean house, which I appreciate too. Neither of us have any energy to do it. And when I do it, I get really grumpy. I'm really not the best partner, and I'm certainly not mm. the best parent. So we've delegated that. And we have a house cleaner come in once a week. Not once every two weeks, but once a week. And it is so worth the expense. I will I will work extra hours to have that done. First of all, she's far better at it than I will ever be. And I even I even have my laundry done. Awesome. Love it. You know, and it's just handled and then I can devote my, my energy and my love and my heart to the people there. Not the stuff, not the things. I want to be focused on on them. And that's important to me. So I've really just prioritized that that the people are important and who do I, who, how am I my best self? Who do I want to be when I'm home? And then set up the environment and the circumstances to do that. So getting resourceful, you know, there's bartering, there's trading, there's just... Yeah, know, and not- I like that you're bringing that up as well because, you know, I could see listening to this and being like, well, I don't have enough money to hire out the housekeeping, the laundry, the this, the that. Um, and that being said... When you're operating on the things that you are most passionate about, you can have unending energy for it, which is perfect for bartering because you may have friends who have unending energy to do housekeeping. And as long as you don't mind having your friend do, you know, some sort through some of your mail or whatever, (laughs) then I'm sure that you have something that you can contribute to them that would be like a joy for you Mm -hmm. to contribute. There, I, I mean, I think all of us have friends who love organizing and their houses are beautiful and they're tidy and you open their drawers and you're like, wow, I can actually see fine stuff. <laughs> you know, and you look at yours and you're like, oh gosh, you know, and, and they're kind of itching to get at it, but because of manners or protocol or something, you know, these ideas about we, we shouldn't, shouldn't let our friends do, we don't, we don't do those trades. And yet we have incredibly talented people who would love to contribute to us and to whom we would love to contribute. But we never do those because of some expectation that we should all be the same or we should all do this and that, which drives me crazy because I don't meet that mold and I don't fit it. So that's where, and maybe this is where we talk a little bit about Colby too. And by the way, before we go too much further, I just want to mention that Shannon and Strategic Coach have offered very generously two copies of Unique Ability 2.0, which is their latest product that is all designed to help you figure out what your unique ability is. And the reason that she's offering two copies is so that you could have one for each of you if you're in a partnership or if you who win are solo, then I'll just find another solo person to give the other copy to. So it works either way, but thank you so much for that offer, Shannon. You're very welcome. And um, and to qualify for that, just download the show guide at neilsatin.com slash strategic, or you can text the word passion to the number 33444 and uh, follow the instructions, and either one of those will qualify you to win the free copy of uh, Unique Ability 2.0, which is put out by the Strategic Coach Organization. Yes. So, um, so now I got that off my plate. And um, <laughs> and while we're talking about it, um, if you're curious about any other Strategic Coach um, strategies, you can visit strategiccoach.com. Uh, you can find out more about their program, and you can they have an online store that where lots of their information products are available. It's, they're all useful, and really, each one has one to a million <laughs> golden nuggets that you'll walk away and just be like, "Wow, that's so inspiring." And it's been it has been that way for me anyway. So, coming back to Colby, um, I'm imagining this person like me 
who's thinking, okay, I, I know exactly who I might call upon who's really organized to get them to help me. But I, as an example, am really low in Colby on the follow-through. We, we're going to call it short versus low. Thank you. there are some strengths with your short follow-through. Thank it's you. Not, it's not a weakness. Colby well, not well now you know where I'm going with yes. this, which is the the kind of when you are short and follow through being able to identify that as a place where you're strong and where you actually do have something to offer the person with the really neat house and so if you're listening and you're one of those people with a really neat house then part of this conversation is meant to help also expand your view of what could be helpful for you in your life um, and how you might leverage um, some of your friends who have less than clean houses, um, just as one example. That's a great example. Yeah. Well, one of the profiles we use, and StrengthsFinder and Colby, by the way, are the two, I guess assessments is actually the technical word to describe what they are. And again, it's not to put anyone in a box. I don't want, in fact, it's to reveal your uniqueness is why we love these tools. Because one of the things, you know, we swim in our own skin, so we don't, it's, it's hard looking at yourself from the inside. And having an objective profile with words that are, you know, have common meanings for everybody is really helpful to put language to that, you know, that amorphous us, <laughs> who we right. really are. So to help distinguish your uniqueness, Colby and StrengthsFinder, and Colby, by the way, is spelled K-O-L-B-E dot com, or Colby, that's the website, not K, not the cheese, it's not C-O-L-B-Y. <laughs> Or the college. For yes, those you may be looking for it. You may go, how come I can't find that? <laughs> so Colby is really fascinating. And, and I have taken a, a kajillion uh, different different um, types of profiles. And just to give you a smidge of background so you have some context, there are three parts to the mind that have been figured out by psychological researchers. One of them is the cognitive. This is your head. This is your mental brain power, your capacity for learning, your skills, your knowledge, your GPA. Okay, that's that's what that is. We're all really familiar with IQ tests. Then there's a, another part of us, which is measured by StrengthsFinder and other personality indicators, and that measures our motivation. What do we care about? What are our values? What will we take action about? You know, it's the, kind of the why. And that is incredibly useful. So I love DISC, StrengthsFinder, Myers-Briggs is another one, Social Styles, PI, there's lots and lots out there. It, went, it goes all the way back to Hippocrates, you know, when they talk about even Shakespeare, sanguine and melancholia, that's describing, you know, people's temperaments. Yeah. So that's really useful, but Colby's actually measures a different part of the mind. So it's not a personality profile, which is kind of fascinating. It is a, it measures how you strive. So when you care about something, so that's a precondition. It, it it's incredibly accurate to tell tell you <laughs> how you problem solve. It will also tell you how other people problem solve, and that's kind of what we were talking about. What Neil and I were talking about earlier about. You know, neither of us have a lot of mental energy, Neil, for being really systematic or sequential about different types of things. Um, we're going to get distracted. We're going to go on to something else. You know, we just, we can do it for a very short period of time at the end. That's when we'll be super yeah. organized, but not beforehand. And yet other people lead with that. And so they have a ton of mental energy for being systematic, for being organized. I work really closely with a fabulous, my fabulous support partner, Nicole, who, you know, you and I are both twos and I'm a, she's a seven on follow through and she, she has a calendar, she has a grid brain. So she thinks of things, she, she can remember the calendar, she's great at maps, she doesn't drive and I do, but she's far better at directions than I will ever be, you know, and we just have this great compliment. So if I expected to met, for me to be like her, that would be a problem. And if she expected me to be like her, that would be an, probably even bigger problem, problem because we would expect each other to be the same and we're not. So Colby measures how your mental energy plays out for different types of activities. And it's incredibly useful. And we use this. This is this is so key. If people don't do Colby for business, which I think would be wise, but use it for your personal relationship. Use it to put language to how you problem solve, which is so automatic and instinctual for you. But then find out how your partner does it. If they're the same, which you could actually kind of go on and kind of do those things together endlessly, or you could end up in competition or perhaps are the opposite, and that's conflict. And we use the we use these comparisons in our couples workshop, and people go, "Oh my gosh, that's why you do that." The insights and the ahas are loud, and they're funny, 
<laughs> it's highly it's highly entertaining. But we can never not do Colby. We've been doing couples for 20 years. And because it is such a fundamental part of people understanding themselves and one another together in relationship. It's 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 fun and it's phenomenal. Yeah. Um I I mean I'd love to dive into it more and I'm noticing where we are on time. So maybe we just encourage people like you got to check it out. It's very interesting and you're you're going to find out things about how you approach life and as Shannon mentioned what you have the most energy for that on some level probably won't surprise you because you'll be like oh yeah that makes total sense. And but it gives you a language for articulating it and articulating it with your partner so that you're focused on where you really work well together and potential areas for conflict. Um, maybe we could just look at one example of, you know, from the profile comparison that we that we whipped up just so people get a sense of that. And then I definitely want to move on to yes. at least one other thing before. Okay, we go. cool. Well, let me just also give you a little bit of information about how to get the information. And by the way, there's zero financial connection between Strategic Coach and Colby. So we simply love the tool because it's so useful. So I want to make everyone sure there's no there's no payoff anywhere. Uh, but it's incredibly useful. So go to colby.com, K-O-L-B-E.com. Do the Colby A profile. And one of the ones, and this is, Neil, what you and I did, you can do something with your partner called an A to A. So it's comparison A to A report. And it actually shows how each of your mental energy plays out, the order that it plays out in, the potential for conflict. And my favorite part is the worst mistake you could make, Mm. (laughs) which is highly educational. It also gives direction about how to resolve any differences or what kind of other support or teamwork that you might need in your relationship to help make it work. And one other thing, just so people... I love Colby and I talk about it like it's the best thing since sliced bread. But please remember, it, it predicts how you'll do something, not how well or not and not why. How well is based on your brain power or skill and why is, you know, based on your motivation. So people can have exactly the same Colby profile but have totally different professions or totally different passions, which means it shows up very, very differently. Makes sense. Yeah. So I want to make sure everyone's really clear on what it is and what it isn't. And obviously we're a composition of all of those things. But for relationship, this to me is like peeling back, you know, pulling back the curtain so you can see what's going on backstage, and it's incredibly useful. It was profound for my husband and I to do it because we're both the same. So it really showed up that need for home delegation and not expecting the other person to be somebody they weren't. Wow, wow, yeah, and just just to give you a sense, and Chloe, if you're if you're listening, um, one of the worst mistakes we could make would be to for either of us to volunteer to design the logistics of a complex project. And that is also another worst mistake we could make is pursuing our latest, greatest idea without getting a reality check. So I think we know what our homework is for after this call. <laughs> um, so the the next thing that I would love to chat about, um, so hard to choose because our time is limited. And um, I think... What's calling me is the four C's. Right. And the first of the four C's, and I'll let you talk about them all, but the first one is commitment. And in relationship and creating a safe container where you can really experience the full potential for aliveness and growth once you're past the honeymoon stage where basically anything goes and, you know, that's... It's kind of like all bets are off when you first meet someone, you're feeling that chemistry. Mm-hmm. But after that, there's something that shifts in our biochemistry so that if you really want to sustain an arc of growth and thriving, you really need commitment. And what I love about the four C's is that it explains exactly why commitment is so important because of what comes next. So yes. could you talk about that a minute? Sure. It's interesting. So I'm going to... There are four C's. Okay, so the first one's commitment. The third one is capability. And the fourth one is confidence. And I don't know about you, but pretty much everyone I meet wants to kind of live in that state of capability and confidence. The problem is you have to go through the second C to get there. So after you've made the commitment, and everyone knows this, sometimes even after you say yes to somebody, there's this feeling of, oh my gosh, what have I just done? (laughs) (laughs) And that's what we call the courage phase. 
encouraged is that it's when you've made a commitment to something bigger than you are, which a relationship is, but you know you don't yet have all of the capabilities in place. It's not a known quantity. And you have to learn. You kind of, you've thrown yourself off the cliff and you have to learn how to fly. And that's the courage phase, you know doesn't feel very good sometimes it doesn't feel the way we want to feel often we want to feel that sense of capability and confidence but the only way to get there is to go through that courage phase and what we've discovered is that if someone is only half committed the courage phase takes forever it's really long and painful and you kind of never get there if you make a full commitment the courage phase is actually much shorter and then what happens is you 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 learn you innovate you create you know, you're, you're learning, you're building those muscles on how to fly in a relationship or, or whatever else. And then you put in place the capabilities and those capabilities give you a whole new sense of confidence about what your next level of commitment can be. So we call this the four C's growth formula. And there's actually a great website called the four C's formula. If you want to go and do your own, it's totally free. Um, it's kind of like a little web app. And because we want everyone to go through the four C's as much as possible, because if you do that, you're growing you're making bigger commitments, you're going through that courage phase, you're developing your capabilities, and then you are reaching new levels of confidence. And in relationships, you know, there are scary things, you know, intimacy can be scary, and, and exposing yourself can be scary. And, you know, there's lots of chances to be scared in a relationship. So Faking, just facing your fears about how a relationship might not work for you is scary. Exactly. Yeah. Totally. There's it's rife with opportunity yeah. to be scared. But, it, but that's why the commitment phase is so important because it kind of gives you that, you know, determination to figure it out. And then no, calling it courage makes a huge difference as opposed to just going, oh, no, why isn't this feel better? So knowing that you're going through the courage phase. And you will develop the capabilities, the self-knowledge, the knowledge about the relationship. Is it right or is it not right for you? Um, you know, but it's really just recognizing that that's appropriate. It's to, in order to grow. If you think about just looking about your past, where how you got where you are now, you made commitments and you went through that courage phase and you developed comp, um, capabilities and that gave you the confidence to be who you are now. So we already know this. We're simply putting language to something that that a process that all of us have gone through and we need to keep going through if we want to be the people we want to be. Yeah, makes total sense and. I appreciate how it articulates not just why commitment is important, but the but what comes after that, and so that people are really experiencing. And I, I think that it's there's also this notion too about how um, you can't just rest in capability and confidence; that it's it goes somewhere if you don't if you're not nurturing it. And the only mm -hmm. way to nurture it is through making a bigger commitment and taking a, a greater leap of courage to get you there. Mm -hmm. So um, that's another really important point, I think, in that um, growth cycle. Yeah, I agree. And I think, you know, if I look at some of my friends in their, who are in their 20s and early 30s, you know, the, the commitment and, and courage part is hard, you know. And I also know, because I'm 20 plus, actually, I've been together for 25 years, you kind of get a little comfortable sometimes. So what I, what is the next higher level becomes a question. You know, how is it that we can keep risking things so we can continue to grow? That becomes another question with a with a more mature relationship. So it's it's kind of fascinating. But I know for me, it's entered our vocabulary in my my home, my home world and at work. It's like, well, there's like, oh, this is a four C's moment for me. You know, we'll <laughs> talk about things like that, which tells people that I'm scared and I'm doing it anyway. Yeah. You know, and I think that's actually phenomenal for couples is to go, okay, this is kind of scary for me, but I'm going to do it anyway. And that just means that the other person's on the same page with you and can support you as opposed to going, eh, you know, or however we respond sometimes. So I think really appreciating it that, A, that is the growth process for everything, especially relationships, and then being supportive of people going through that process and, and having the language for it is really, really important and, and allows for growth in a way that didn't before. Yeah, I see how that would allow partners to communicate their vulnerability in a way that doesn't collapse into the fear that comes yes. with vulnerability. Brilliant. Um, so that makes that that really makes sense. And um, there was another thing that you said that I was just like, oh yeah, totally. And it was that um, <laughs> ah, I lost it. Oh well. Oh, oh well. Um, we'll see if it comes back. Yeah. Um, oh yes, of course. It's that 
if you are not making positive choices about those kinds of things, setting goals in your relationship for each other, seeing what your next level of commitment is together and your next level of growth together, then I think life has a way of making those choices for you. So I would much rather be more engaged in that process of crafting how the future is being shaped with my partner and in my mm -hmm. own life than just be subject to the whims or whimsy of fate and those things around me that will happily make those choices for me. Mm -hmm. I could not agree more. We're all about people being self-determining and autonomous. And that means really recognizing the world is a very powerful if you're going to bet against something or the world, the world will usually win. So we need to be incredibly conscious and intentional, to use that word again, not in a heavy way, but in a conscious way. So, you know, talk about it. That's a great thing to talk about on date night, you know, or whatever, date, date breakfast, whatever it is, to really think about it and just bring that into the conversation. Tools to communicate for couples is so important and to have the same language. That's why I love StrengthsFinder and Colby and Four Cs. It just gives us a way to talk about things that otherwise would be really challenging. We could revert to the fear or get resentful. And and I think this just allows the process. It, it allows us to be more, when we have the words for things, it allows us to be more um, able to, to be more self-determining and, and to be more intentional and to have it our way as opposed to just subject to what the world world's going to throw at us because it can be pretty challenging sometimes. Yeah, and it's not just having language, but also having constructive language. Mm -hmm. That's so helpful because like like we were talking about earlier, I might look at a lack of follow-through and feel like that's a huge deficiency on my part. But the gift of that, which you are going to be able to articulate way better than I could in this last moment is... It means you're very adaptable. You can take what's lying around and just make it work. If something needs to change really suddenly, that's not a problem. You can turn on a dime. Why? Because there was no plan in the first place. So <laughs> there's nothing to recalibrate. You can go, oh, I was going this direction, now I'm going that direction. In emergencies, it's genius, you know, because you can respond so quickly because there wasn't that plan. Other times, planning is really useful, you know, certain diffusing a bomb i'm sure there's a process for that i would not be the best person uh, but other times it's actually you know a brilliant strength to be able to just be adaptable to use what's around you to make that work and if we can understand and play to those strengths you know everything long middle or short on your colby index um is a strength it does not measure weaknesses there are certain circumstances that are probably better placed than others but still if you can look at it that way it's just do you want as many strengths at play in a relationship as possible yeah, I couldn't agree more. Well, Shannon Waller, thank you so much for being here with me and us today on Relationship Alive. It's been such a gift to have your wisdom and your perspective. And uh, I will have links to everything that you mentioned on my website. Um, so if, if you're interested in finding out more, just visit neilsatin.com slash strategic, and you can find that information. But of course, you can always find out more about Shannon and the work of Strategic Coach by going to strategiccoach.com. Thank you so much, Shannon, for being with us today. Oh, it was a real pleasure, Neil. Thank you very much for having me. Thank you for listening to another episode of Relationship Alive. If you like what you've heard and want to make it easier for other people to find out about us, please take a moment to subscribe to our podcast and to rate and review us on iTunes. If you have questions or comments or want to continue the conversation, you can always join our Relationship Alive community Facebook group. And for more information about today's episode, visit us online at neilsatin.com slash podcast. Or you can always text the word PASSION, P-A-S-S-I-O-N, to the number 33444 for more information. Finally, do you have a burning question that you're hoping we can have answered here on Relationship Alive, either for a future or past guest? Let me know and I'll see what I can do. Take care and see you next time.